Welcome to Surviving Society, a political podcast from a sociological perspective. We are live on the BSA in Glasgow and today we're joined by Nima Begum. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. Uh, so what are you going to talk to us about today? I'm going to talk about my PhD research which is on ethnic minority voting in the EU referendum. So when you say ethnic minority, who are you talking about? I'm mainly talking about black, Asian, minority, ethnic uh, people of uh, Commonwealth descent. Okay, so what have you found? Um, So I found that the majority of ethnic minorities uh, voted to remain, but there were about a third of minority voters who supported leave, um, which um, has come as a surprise to a lot of people, especially when the leave campaigns have been associated with racism and xenophobia and... um, a lot of people, uh, even people who are British-born uh, ethnic minorities, feel they are still the targets of any kind of anti-immigration uh, discourses. Um, but there were there were strong feelings amongst a lot of ethnic minority Leave voters um, who felt that uh, Europeans, especially Eastern Europeans, were getting privileged access to the UK, and there are a lot of barriers in terms of visa and so on. Um, if you're from outside the EU uh, to come to the UK. So uh, a lot of them felt it was unfair that um, European migrants had better access and um, they kind of saw Europe as this white fortress that allowed um, white migration, but not people from outside the EU. A few people that I interviewed talked about the refugee crisis and and so on and um, agricultural subsidies that had put um, non-EU economies at a disadvantage and and so on. It's really interesting because obviously like there are when we're talking about Brexit and the referendum there are really important hierarchies of privilege that has quite often been missing in discussions around the impact of Brexit and freedom of movement so as much as like that sort of racialized narratives I don't necessarily agree with, there are obviously clear state violences that have been experienced by people from outside of the EU for a very long time. Um, yeah, and it's so interesting that they've, they made sen- they've made sense of that in their interview narration to you, which I think is fascinating. Yeah, I think a lot of people felt that the EU was responsible for thousands of migrants dying in the Mediterranean um, and basically blocking entry to uh, people of colour while the freedom of movement, so to speak, is really only applies to white people as far as they were concerned. Totally agree that obviously like Europe is designed to keep people who aren't white out and like Europe is responsible for a lot of people dying in the Mediterranean. Um, but yeah, like in terms of the kind of political upheavals and the kind of more um, sort of publicly acceptable racism that we've been seeing like in the run up to and since the referendum. Did anyone talk to you about that? Um, So what I found actually was that a lot of the people who voted remain, it wasn't necessarily in support of the EU, it wasn't an endorsement of EU membership. It was, a, a lot of people were ambivalent towards EU membership. It was more a vote against leave. So a lot of the Remain voters of ethnic minority background that I interviewed uh, talked about Farage and UKIP and um, they associated leaving the EU with UKIP gaining support and the fact that 
Cameron had offered this referendum with, to counter the UKIP threat. Um, I don't. I think people were worried about the language around immigration and felt it wasn't just to do with Europeans or Eastern Europeans. It was to do with uh, ethnic minorities in the UK who who are citizens or British born. That is again what is such an important like point about how people of colour have narrated Brexit both prior and after the referendum. They saw it as synonymous with racism, and particularly, as you say, with your Remain voters. They knew that what this would possibly unleash, which it has. Um, and in, in my research with British people of colour that live in the EU27, they, com- they completely that completely aligns with what they said. They said, this is so bad because it's going to create more hostilities for us, something that we're so familiar with. It's historical. It's but I guess, yeah, that's what I was asking. Like, did the people who voted leave associate the campaign with that? Um, not so much. I think... So, so I did my interviews a sort of in focus groups a year after uh, the referendum had taken place. So um, some people regretted that they'd voted leave. Some people had said that they... W- they would never have been in favour of remaining the, in the EU and they would have preferred to have abstained. Um, but they were they regretted that they'd played a part in this and that they'd voted leave. But a lot of people were, felt quite strongly about leave. And um, unfortunately, a lot of the minority leave voters talked quite uh, negatively about Eastern European immigration and they really associated e- EU membership with the numbers of Eastern Europeans are coming that are coming to the UK. Quite shocked that they kind of picked up on that kind of it's a very European notion of exclusion. So Western and Northern Europeans tend to exclude Eastern Europeans, mm-hmm. and I don't know how they even picked up on that debate. It's it's even quite recently been weaponized by like the Italian the Italian deputy prime minister. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So this idea that Europe, like the the the, the centre of the EU, like France and all that, are responsible for these people like in Germany, responsible for these these this horde coming. And it's weird say, that this yeah. that might. I don't think that's that surprising because, in a way, like it's a narrative that is pushed by the right that like people who are born here or people who have a claim, like a, a legitimate whatever that means, claim to be here, mm-hmm. are pitted against people who are seen as having an illegitimate claim. And if you see yourself, like you know, a lot, like you were saying, like a lot of people were saying, you know, it discriminates against. Uh, like the migration of brown and black people, if you see yourself as having a right to be in the UK because of historical ties between Britain and wherever, and then you see that Eastern Europeans are allowed to come and go because of like EU privileges, that doesn't, I don't know, I don't think that's really surprising that like different racialized groups end up being pissed against each other and that people mm-hmm. do like pick up on those narratives. And But I think what's been troubling for me is the way that certain leave voters, ethnic minority leave voters, have talked about uh, the Commonwealth and there's a lot of whitewashing and misremembering of the empire and um, so I've talked, to, I've heard um, people say well before Britain joined the EU, Britain used to take care of its empire and its colonies and um, we've been neglected and the EU has been prioritised and you've always been neglected there was never (laughs) a moment there was never a moment when you were welcome so that that misremembering is crucial because it's completely imagined I think something that I'm trying to develop is this idea of the wages of Britishness and how 
certain minority leave voters um, align themselves with this British identity, um, which is which sees itself as separate from Europe, to kind of stake their claim to belonging as being greater than Europeans, uh, and they particularly talked about Eastern Europeans, and they said, well, we're British, we've integrated, we follow the laws, we made a positive contribution, we fought uh, for Britain, and our ancestors sacrificed their lives um, bef uh, in the world wars um, against Britain's European neighbours. We helped rebuild the country after the war, um, and all of these narratives came in to kind of Yes, to stake their claim and have to show they've got a legitimate claim to belonging compared to Eastern Europeans. Was it the older respondents that had those kind of views or was it the younger? Um, it tended to be older minority leave voters who supported, um, sorry, older ethnic minorities who supported leave mm. compared to young people. Um, those 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 that nostalgia is obviously has been appeased by uh, Boris Johnson and saying global Britain as well. But what 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 I'm conscious of, like when I speak to my gran, and so when people say they misremembered the empire, her notion of the empire, she has a very positive representation, and I can't say to her you're misremembering, because how how she sees it, how she feels, she has a she has a truly positive image of the empire. So she's frequently, like I've said before in the podcast. So when she comes over, she feels that there's too many people not speaking English. And she, but she has a really positive image of that. Now, our understanding of the colonial empire, and all that, we have a different understanding, but how she remembers it is completely different. But this is what's interesting, right, is it was also your nan who was like, we're going to get passports, yeah. because she was like, don't yeah. trust these people. <laughs> no, but it, it, there was always a sense, but that, that kind of, the, even though there's a kind of paradox, yeah. Her notion, she still has a very positive, she's very positive about the empire, positive about the impact that it had on the Ukraine. Even though, for example, I know, I would say to a lot, this kind of, the total colonial empire, we invaded in 1983, things had changed and all this kind of stuff. Even though she knows these facts, that doesn't stop her from being so positive about this place. A place that she's contributed to build. She put her family up here. All these things, and it makes her give her a strong sense of identity. So we have to be careful when we say to these people that like, you've misremembered it but that's not how they see it it's not how they feel mm. i think i think there's a collective misremembering mm -hmm. um which kind of feeds into these narratives so the idea of britain exporting democracy around the world and the commonwealth having stronger uh, connections with britain because of all these english-speaking nations within the commonwealth the kind of the political systems, the the rule of law, and all of these things have been modelled on this kind of on Britain, which is seen as the head of the Commonwealth, um, and it is this kind of very positive uh, remembering of the empire that what uh, wipes out any sense of brutality and all of these other horrific crimes that were committed during the days of empire. I think sometimes it's weird when you speak to a black person of that age and we understand it to be a brutal thing and they, they, they start saying positive things about that thing and it, it chides me. So there's, there's people in America that do that. They have a kind of positive remembrance of the Jim Crow laws and you think, well, how can a black person remember it in a positive way? But there's black people that do do that and, and, and defend it on yeah. them. And sometimes it's hard, for, it's hard for me to hear that but and also I have to acknowledge that because there's not just one narrative. I think we can look to like ethnographies to help us with this sort of thing. Like Les Back in particular is really good on this, particularly when you're researching racisms and how people make sense of their experiences of racism. So 
given your gran as an example to so like talking to her about her experiences it'd be so good to find out what she would have considered to be a brutal state like what would have made what would be would have made britain not the mother country to her what what would it have had to take for her to to not feel a strong sense of british identity and but the problem is when you when you're dealing with it they're so multifaceted you could they can feel at the same time at, at odds with the state but also one with the state and I think they're both one and the same thing. Yeah, it's complex. It's, 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 so, it's so multi-layered. How do you do that? Yeah. Because, like I said, if I spoke, when you go to Grenada, the older people have a strong sense of loyalty to Britain. And you think, well, how? I don't understand how. But also, when I was... Um, so you said about the different experiences and how it's multifaceted and so on. Some of the ethnic minority leave voters I spoke to were saying Britain is a tolerant country compared to Europe. 100%. And so we, so yeah. people said, sorry, people said that to me yeah. and then by the end of the interview they were like, uh. <laughs> so that's what's really interesting about like interviewing ethnographers because it's, you, there's always these paradoxes within the interview but, talking about yeah, racism. Yeah. But I think, right, so you know, on the most superficial level, when you think about, especially in the kind of modern period, when you think of Britain and Europe, you think Nazi, fascism, Europe. Yeah. Britain against it, and that's like the most superficial argument people have. So when you think of tolerance, you think of this island that's apart from the mainland, which was infected with this disease of fascism, which spread, fought two wars, and people, they, even though World War I was different, it kind of it lied into World War II, and the people, it's a battle for racist people over here, and Britain's on its own. Even though that's not true, but that's a superficial analysis of what people come up with in their head. Yeah, well, so I've, you I've mentioned the internment camps for Jewish people that Britain also had. That's the most superficial yeah, recognition. I mean, like, just like in terms of yeah. like, you know, the, Britain was not in the Second World War to liberate Jewish people. Anyway. Um, yeah, so in terms of people's experiences and the perceptions that they have about racism, is like the racism that we have isn't as racist as that one over there. So... Um, people, I had um, a few Muslim women who voted leave that I interviewed um, talking about Islamophobia in Europe and how they couldn't fathom how Muslim people can live in France and so on. If um, They've got hijab bans and um, so much Islamophobia. You've got so many right-wing parties that, are, that get voted into government and so on. They're in coalition, they're part of the mainstream and we don't really have that in the same way in the UK. So their ex their experience was that we don't want to be part of Europe. We want we believe in Britain as a separate country and as, as being more tolerant. What I just wanted to ask is where in the UK were these people living? Were you looking at a particular part of the UK where people have voted? Um, so I sampled according to the uh, area level vote and what the proportion of remain or leave was in each area but I went to London and Birmingham Sunderland and kind of all over England, Kent as well and Bristol. Did it make a difference to how people saw their relationship to kind of Europe and the UK? And um, So most of the people that I interviewed in London were quite positive about um, EU membership and um, people in Birmingham were seemed more ambivalent um, and and I think Bristol was one of the most remain uh, highest remain voting constituencies um, and then kind of yeah the further up north I went the more <laughs> leave it was but um, but there's there's also a big um, white middle class support for leave that we don't really 
hear about. Um, so I mean, I was really focusing on um, ethnic minorities um, for my research, but that's something that's been neglected and we get a lot of stigmatization of white working class people is driving this vote when... Um, it in was the middle class white people in Cornwall, Devon, <laughs> Kent, Hampshire, like... <laughs> I think we've, we're now seeing that there's a really complex picture and a lot of people voted leave or remain for different reasons. So I interviewed some really left-leaning people who uh, wanted a Lexit and um, see the EU as this neoliberal institution and they want um, us to leave the EU so we can, uh, there's hope of some sort of socialist social democracy in the Britain UK. Britain has a strong history of doing that sort of thing. That's what I find really troubling about that argument. I think there were interesting kind of arguments they were making about neoliberal, the neoliberal EU institution and how that feeds racism as well. Um, so it was complicated, but then we yeah. didn't get a clear option on the referendum. It, I think people attached whatever meaning they wanted to it in the end. You've been listening to Surviving Society at the BSA. We'll be back with a few more episodes.